one final service. This is it before Christmas. Who's looking forward to Christmas? Okay, cool. That's about half. Who like just genuinely is honestly maybe like dreading a part of Christmas in some way? I'll put my hand up. Um, there's a part for me that I'm sort of dreading a little bit. I think, I think Christmas can be this thing for me. Anyway, this is my experience growing up. I loved Christmas as a little kid, right? I loved the toys. I loved the food. I loved hanging out with my family. It was the best, right? And then I feel like probably you could graph it every single year. I've sort of lost the joy of Christmas and it's slowly become more and more of an obligation, of a stress, sometimes a resentment. It's been a bit difficult and I think that it can be a bit of a stressful time, a bit of a hectic time. I think it's a very easy to lose sight <laughs> of the point of Christmas, right? It's very, very easy to lose sight of it all. Um, so I've sort of been a little bit subversive. I, I actually, I'm not going to speak on expectation today, which is, um, expectation is like the excitement of Christmas, right? It's Gabriel coming down to Mary and saying, you're going to have a son and he's going to be a king and his kingdom will reign forever, right? That's the expectation, the joy, the hope of Christmas. But today I want to talk about the expectations <laughs> Of Christmas, the expectations that we might put on ourselves, the expectations that others might put on us, friends, family, those who mean well but maybe don't always do well, and even just the expectation that, you know, the Christmas season can put on us. And I want to maybe look at some ways that we can be a little liberated from that and maybe flip those expectations that are bogging us down, that feel a bit like rocks in our backpack, flip it around to maybe finding a bit more of the joy and the hope and the expectation, no S, of Christmas this season. How's that sound? All right, cool. So I want to um, quickly look at the story of Mary and Martha hosting Jesus. Um, a month ago, I actually spoke about the other story of Mary and Martha. This one happens before that one with their brother Lazarus. Lazarus isn't in this story. It's just Jesus, Mary, and Martha. You guys probably know it well, but I'll read it out quickly. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want to call today's sermon a Merry Christmas. And hopefully in that, we can use it to help us have a Merry Christmas. So let's quickly pray and we'll get into it. God, I thank you so much for the Christmas season. I thank you for everything it means for us as believers. And I thank you for the hope and the expectation that we can celebrate in. Lord, I pray that as we just look into this story this morning, that we can learn how to subvert some of the expectations, some of those obligations, some of those stresses, some of those resentful uh, natures that we can hold on to during Christmas. And uh, yeah, learn to recalibrate into the light, which is Jesus. In all these things we pray. Amen. All right, cool. 
So it's going to be a real quick one. I want to look at three different little strategies that we can help to have a more merry Christmas. So the first one is be present, right? So I've kind of already started with the pun, so let's keep going. But I do genuinely mean this. I think this year, maybe your presence is the greatest present you could bring. It's so easy to get distracted in in the best of times, but I think especially around the Christmas season, there are so many distractions, so many material things that don't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. And Martha got distracted. She's not being present. God has literally come to her house. God in the flesh has come to her house. And she's distracted with, well, preparations. It says in Luke 10, 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. The, the insanity and busyness of Christmas can have us kind of running around like a headless chook and we sort of lose what it's meant to be about. And I know it can sound a little new agey, this idea of be present, you know, but I think it is actually something that Jesus showed. I think it's actually something that's a, a concept and a, a value that is all through the Bible of being present. And I think that it's something which we can not be great at as we get caught up in the insanity and busyness of Christmas. So how do we be more present? What does that actually mean? Well, I'll give you one little thought. When I got engaged, I was managing a cafe at the time, and there was this old fellow who came in every day, got a small skim flat white, and he gave me this really great advice. It was probably the best advice that anybody gave me for actually, you know, how to enjoy the wedding day, the actual wedding day. And he said, when I got married, me and my wife made sure on the wedding day that every hour we'd just touch base and check in with each other and just actually be present take stock of what was going on right in that moment, right? So how good is this, this food right now? How good is it that we have all of our friends and family here present in the same room? This will probably never happen again, right? And this is what Em and I made a conscious decision to do on our wedding day. And if I'm being honest, when if I really think back on my wedding day and try and think about the moments I actually remember, <laughs> it's those hours that I just touched base with Em and just took stock and was present, was intentional, rather than getting distracted by this whirlwind <laughs> of busyness and insanity and everybody wanting a piece of you on your wedding day. It really makes such a difference. And it's maybe something that you could practically do this year for Christmas if you feel like maybe being present isn't your greatest strength. So maybe even if it's just setting a little quiet reminder on your phone for every hour of the day, it can just buzz just on Christmas Day and just goes, oh, okay, I'm just going to check in. How am I right now? As I said, being present isn't this, this, this new idea, right, that only just came around. Um, in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about self. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I would say every second has enough trouble of its own. Let's not worry about the next day, the next hour, the next minute, the next second. Let's try and be more present this Christmas and be a bit less distracted. 
Colossians 3, 1 to 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, in this, this chapter in Colossians, Paul's actually referring to maybe more earthly sort of sinful things than we're talking about right here. He's talking about lust and idolatry and greed, but it totally also applies to the small things, getting caught up on, you know, if the gifts are at perfectly, if, if, if lunch comes out at the exact right time, you know, making sure that the table's set perfectly, all of these things that we can get so distracted about and lose presence. So, the second idea that I want to talk about is be released, right? We've spoken about expectations already, these, these obligations that other people put on us, that the Christmas season put on us. But my question is, how many of these expectations are we actually just putting on ourselves, that no one else is expecting this of us, that we're just putting these really high standards and expectations on ourselves, that we're getting real stressed out and worked up about? If you look at the story of Mary and Martha... It says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, right? Had to be made, these expectations. I mean, it doesn't say that Jesus came in and said, hey, Martha, go prepare some stuff. This is really important. It didn't say that Mary said to Martha, hey, Martha, quick, 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 go get stuff ready. This was an expectation that Martha put on herself. No one else told her that these preparations had to be made. What's maybe an expectation that you've put on yourself, especially with the Christmas season, the sort of the, the ritual and the tradition of it, that maybe you can be released of this year? An expectation that's maybe been going on for decades in your family, that's kind of just become this overwhelming avalanche of, of obligation. Maybe you can be released from that this year. Maybe there are obligations and expectations that a family member or a friend is putting on you. You know, we have to meet up before the new year. I mean, why? We can just meet up on the 2nd of January. It will be okay. <laughs> be released. Be released. And then in that, we'll be able to shine Jesus more because we're going to be less stressed, going to be less frustrated. There's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing that you have to do to earn salvation, to earn love, to prove your value. There's nothing that you need to do because Jesus said on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. It is finished. There's nothing else. That refers to obviously our, our salvation, but there's nothing else that we really need to do. Be released. I love Colossians 2.10, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. I heard this really cool thing once that was talking about different postures, literal physical postures that you can take during worship. So there's the obvious ones that we know, the sort of standing, rejoicing, celebrating, arms up high. There's the kneeling down on our knees in, in submission, in reverence, in respect. And there's also sitting, right? We don't see a lot of people in modern day church just sitting during worship. But what sitting actually means is it's proclaiming and celebrating that it is finished. There is nothing more that we need to do. We can sit in our salvation. We can sit in the completion and fullness that Jesus has already brought. So be released. Cool. So be present, be released. 
Final one. Be gracious. Be gracious. These expectations can start to build up and kind of bring out the worst side of us. And suddenly we're not showing grace. We're not being gracious to those who are most important to us in our lives. In Luke 10, 40 to 42, Martha stepped in. This is the message translation. I liked this translation. Martha stepped in interrupting them, interrupting her sister being in in, in communion with God. (laughs) Martha stepped in interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing getting yourself worked up over nothing. Philippians 2, 14 to 16 reads, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Wouldn't that be cool this year on Christmas Day? to just be able to stand in the knowledge that, yeah, in my family, with my friends, I shone brightly like a star (laughs) among them because I was filled with something different, because I wasn't bogged down by distraction. I wasn't bogged down by resent. I wasn't bogged down by obligation. So this is all a bit nebulous for this one. How How do we actually apply this practically? Well, I have an idea. I have an idea. We're always kind of looking for the perfect gift for people, right? We're always looking for the perfect gift for Christmas Day. So how about this year for Christmas Day, you bring a fruit basket? What do I mean by that? Let's look to Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why don't you bring that to Christmas Day? That's a pretty good gift. (laughs) I just want to point something out. This is actually something that my old mentor pointed out to me, because I was misreading uh, this verse. I used to read, but the fruits, with an S, I'm getting very hung up on the S's today, aren't I? The fruits of the Spirit, as if they're all little separate fruits. But it's the fruit. It's one. It's one thing. When you are filled with the Spirit, that fruit, the wholeness of all of those elements. Because I don't need to tell you, it's very easy to, you know, on Christmas Day, maybe drink a bit too much and be filled with joy, but how much self-control are you showing? Maybe you can finally get something off your chest by, you know, shutting down your racist uncle or, you know, finally ending that biff that's been hanging on for three years with your brother but you bring peace to yourself and others. Where's the goodness and the kindness in that? So it's about the full fruit of the Spirit in that. So maybe Christmas morning this year, whether it's coming to church, whether it's watching online, whether it's just having an intentional quiet time, maybe you can start Christmas morning this year by being filled with the Spirit. Because you're not going to draw water from an empty well, right? If we want to give living water, we need to be filled ourselves first. It's a real simple thing, but just starting your day off right, 
especially on Christmas Day, if it's a day where you already know it's stressful, it's frustrating, best version of yourself isn't always what people get. So what now? I maybe can hear some people thinking, you know, Muzz, like, you're a 28-year-old guy. Yeah, you, you just sit down on Christmas Day. You enjoy that. I got some stuff that I need to do, right? That's not really practical for me. And I hear that. I hear that. I know that there is still some stuff that needs to be done. And you know what? Great love can be shown through gifts. It's a beautiful love language that gets diminished a lot of the time. In a material world, it is still actually a beautiful way to show love. A thoughtful, kind, considerate gift. Food, you know, hours of preparation that get put in. That's how so many people show love. It's how my grandma shows love. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not, I don't want to diminish the value of those things. But how do we sort of walk in balance? I want to point us towards a really beautiful poem by Clara Clara Munkris. It's called The Kitchen Prayer. I'm going to quickly read it to us because I think this just beautifully summarizes how we can navigate this idea. It says, Lord of all pots and pans and things. I love that so much, just the first line. Lord of all pots and pans and things. Since I've not time to be a saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawn light or storming heaven's gates, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Although I must have Martha's hands, I have a merry mind. And when I black the boots and shoes, thy sandals, Lord, I find. I think of how they trod the earth. What time I scrub the floor except this meditation, Lord, I haven't time for more. Warm all the kitchen with thy love and light it with thy peace. Forgive me all my worrying and make my grumbling cease. Thou who didst love to give men food, in room or by the sea, accept this service that I do. I do it unto thee. I love that line. Although I must have Martha's hands, I have a Mary mind. So maybe I can edit the title of this sermon today to a Mary and Martha Christmas and find that balance. Because I love that Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I love this translation of the NIV. Mary has chosen what is better. It's not diminishing all of that love that we can still show. But if it's absent of the Mary mind, then, well, the Martha's hands are not as great and can sometimes do the opposite of what they're meaning to do. So, three things for your Christmas this year, to have a very merry and Martha Christmas. Be present, not distracted. Be released, not obligated. And be gracious, not resentful. I might call the, um, the band up as I just read this final little um, verse. I feel like this just summarizes how we can do Christmas this year. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God.
God, I thank you so much that you are present with us in the whirlwind, which is Christmas. Lord, could you help us this Christmas to have Martha hands, but a merry mind. God, help us to be more present. Help us to be released and help us to be gracious as we shine the light of Jesus to our friends and family this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.